Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see your beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wondergoal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me for the Premier League finale episode of our podcast, our first season coming to an end. Uh, we'll, of course, have an episode previewing the uh, Champions League final. But in terms of the Premier League, this is it. Championship Sunday coming our way, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Every team in the Premier League will be playing, and there's a ton to play for. This is not how it usually goes. Joining me today, Anthony DeBundo, new father, BJ Cunningham is back. He has not been replaced by Fabrizio Romano, but if you do want to listen to us, talk to Fabrizio Romano without BJ. Uh, you can scroll back a couple episodes and you can hear that episode. Um, but for this one, we're just going to be talking some Premier League and then we'll get into the other European leagues a little bit later. And there's only one place to start. That's with the title race, Man City. They have 90 points, Liverpool 89. Uh, the goal differential won't come into play here. So it's just a straight up Liverpool need to win and they need City uh, to lose to, to win the title. Manchester City minus 750 favorites. Liverpool plus 450 to win the title. We'll start with the City match. They are minus 600 hosting Steven Gerrard, his Aston Villa, 18 to 1. The villains are Gerrard, of course, a Liverpool legend, had a famous slip to, to cost Liverpool the title a couple of, you know, about a decade ago. Uh, the draw here is plus 650. I'm going to probably be betting a lot of underdogs on the slate because as we've been covering in this whole run in that you're, you're going to have to pay a tax to bet the teams that are in quote unquote must win situations. So what I'm, I think I'll probably end up betting villain. I'm going to end up betting wolves. I'll probably end up betting Everton. One of these underdogs is going to win. Like that's just what's going to happen. Right. This premier league has been season has been nuts. Someone's going to win. Uh, so I'd be looking towards Villa here. 
but th- that's just because my strategy for this week is, is a little bit of an outlier compared to how I'll normally do it. So I'll let, I'll leave it to you too. Uh, Anthony, let's start with you. Villain City, what are you looking to do with your money? Yeah, you mentioned the tax, right? And my projection is City to win this by 1.81 goals at home. They're favored by a full two. There's no juice on Villa plus two. You throw in the injury concerns for Manchester City. I have no problem taking Villa on the road here. West Ham and Villa aren't all that different when you look at their underlying numbers. West Ham sits, of course, in seventh and Villa's in 14th, but really they're ninth and 10th and expected goal difference. West Ham was plus one and a half. Now that was at home. Now you're on the road, but you're still getting two full goals. And I actually think Villa can do similar things on the counterattack that West Ham was able to do over the top, taking advantage of Fernandinho's lack of pace at center back, taking advantage of the fact that Kyle Walker is out and Walker is clearly a huge part of their defense of kind of mopping it up. He's not really a sweeper, but kind of like a sweeper in the way that he plays. And we've seen in the last five matches, six matches, they've allowed 8.1 expected goals. It's a lot. And it's concerning when you consider that now they have to play a two, uh, you know, two full goals in this match. So of course, from a narrative angle, it's, it's Steven Gerrard and Villa trying to win the title for Liverpool by getting a point here. I don't think they'll get a point, but at plus two, it's something I have to bet. Uh, and only four teams have kept City under one expected goal this season in a match. Atleti in the first leg, Brentford, Chelsea, Aston Villa in the first meeting between these two teams. It was 0.9 to 0.9. City did have a great goal in that match. They won it two to one. But Villa were able to really disrupt City and not let them completely dominate, get the ball into the penalty area too easily. Villa's defense is top 10 in box entries and crosses allowed. So it's a good defense. And I think that combined with City's leaking defense makes Villa a threat to cover the spread here and maybe even steal a result and, and, and swing the title. But overall, I'm, I'm going to be taking Villa at plus two. I would not play them at plus one and a half, but at plus two, it's worth a bet. Yeah, I think uh, you're imagining this game being Villa playing like Burnley, you know, Sean Dyche version of Burnley, where Seema Gerrard is just going to tell them, look, let's just spoil the party here. I think we're going to see a very, very conservative approach out of Aston Villa to to go down in history as, as a team that, that swung the title race. So I think, uh, you know, a look towards the under makes some sense. But I, I do think, like like I was saying, that the, the numbers are just so inflated on these underdogs in, in these games that I'm just going to probably play them all. Uh, BJ, City and Villa, what do you have? Yeah, I agree. I, I like Aston Villa plus two. What's, what's interesting about City is their performances obviously aren't as good as they've been in the past, and they're actually kind of concerning. You, know, you take the two matches against Real Madrid, obviously they were dominant for pretty much the whole two legs except for some moments of magic from Real Madrid. But then against West Ham this past weekend, you know, giving up two goals – only creating about 1.8 non-penalty expected goals. That's a tad concerning. I mean, their schedule in the Premier League has been pretty easy. You know, the last five matches have been against Brighton, Watford, Leeds, Newcastle, and Wolves. You know, they've scored 22 goals off of 13 expected, so a little bit of negative regression coming. And Anthony mentioned it, Aston Villa actually sets up as one of the biggest counterattacking profiles in the Premier League. I mean, they're number one in direct speed. They're third to last in passes per sequence. They're going to play two low blocks. They're going to sit in and they're going to play very, very passive because they're also one of the lowest teams in terms of passes per defensive action and pressures per 90 minutes. So this is going to be a pep holding 70% of the possession, City trying to pass the ball around. And similar to the first meeting, getting a lot of shots off, you know, they had 17 in the first meeting but only off a 0.9 expected goals. So I think we're going to see something similar to that. And if you want to play a little bit of game theory into that as well, is if City goes up one nothing, 
I wouldn't put it past Pep to just sit on the ball for the remaining 90 minutes. And I wouldn't put it past Aston Villa to continue to play ultra conservative to, to not lose by a ton. So uh, I agree with Anthony. I have uh, city spread at minus 1.9. So a little bit of value there on Aston Villa plus two. And I agree throughout this whole slate, there's going to be a lot of underdogs for me taking because of that motivation factor of one team having something to play for and the other, not having anything to play for. All right. Uh, Liverpool, the other team in the title race, as I said, they're one point behind city. They need a win um, and a city draw or loss. Uh, I should have said off the top to win the title. They're minus 600 as well. Wolves 19 to one on the road at Anfield. The draw here is plus 650. Similar situation to the one I just said. 19 to one on Wolves. This is one of the biggest prices of the season. We know Wolves aren't a great team, right? They're, they're somewhere in that 10 to 14th best team in the Premier League mark. Uh, this is a number you'll see on like Norwich City when they play uh, a team like uh, Liverpool on the road, right? Like 19 to one is just a good enough number to, to hope you get really, really lucky and Wolves you'll just play sturdy, sturdy defense and, and nick a penalty or get lucky. Maybe there's a beautiful moment from João Moutinho or, or Trincao or, or one of those beautiful Portuguese players that they have um, on their team. I mean, and they're going to be up for it. Like this is a, a huge moment for, for Villa, for Wolves to have their say. So like, it's just too good a number. So 19 to one on, on Wolverhampton against Liverpool, by the way, Liverpool, like city, like they're, they've shown some cracks too. They're they've, they went down to Southampton. They went down to Aston Villa. I mean, they've been playing a ton of soccer. I know they rotated their squad a lot for that, that saints game to get some people a rest, but still like they're not as cohesive right now. And part of that, I think is Fabinho being out, uh, which is a, which is a big miss. Um, BJ, I think you're going to end up passing on here. You, you don't typically like to go up against Liverpool anymore. I think you, you have the self-control. I don't, um, but how do you see this game shaking out? Yeah, I mean, I agree. If, if I were to play anything, it'd probably be Wolves 19 to 1, but they've been playing pretty bad lately. I mean, 8.1, 8.1 expected goals allowed in their last four matches uh, against, you know, Brighton, Chelsea, and City. Last weekend, uh, they allowed Norwich to uh, draw them 1 1 at home and lost the expected goals battle of Norwich. That's the first time that's happened in 22 matches. Norwich has lost the expected goals battle 22 straight times until last weekend. So, Wolves is playing bad. They have nothing to play for. They're not going to get a top seven. They could, you know, fall down to ninth place if Brighton ends up beating West Ham. But yeah, I, Liverpool doesn't need to run up the score. So you could put that game theory in there. But the way Jurgen Klopp sets up his team and the way Liverpool likes to play, they're not a team that just goes up one nothing and just sits on the ball for the rest of the 90 minutes. They're going to keep going forward and they're going to keep trying to score. And this is also the repeat of the famous match where uh, Liverpool created three and a half expected goals on Wolves at the Molyneux after Wolves got a red card, I believe it was early on in the match, uh, and scored very, very late on in the 90th minute to win one nothing. And, you know, if Wolves were able to hold them off for that long, maybe they can hold them off in this one. So, uh, yeah, hard pass here for me. I, I think Liverpool probably wins like two to three nothing, but other than that, it's, it's, it's a hard pass for me. The numbers, the numbers aren't going to tell you to play. I should have said this off the top. They're not going to tell you the forum's not going to tell you to play these underdogs. It's just right. the numbers are out of control. The odds are out of yeah. control. Um, if you, and if you are playing a chaos theory here, Villa and Wolves both to win, three hundred seventy nine to one parlay mm-hmm. uh, on 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 the uh, the chaos results. Uh, Anthony, Liverpool, Wolverhampton. What do you have? It's funny you mentioned Norwich uh, because Norwich played at Anfield in January and they were plus one thirty to score. And would you look at that? Wolves to get on the board in this match plus 125. So think about that. I know that I've been like the biggest anti-Wolves guy 
that's probably ever existed. I think I might get attacked by a pack of wolves at some point as retribution, but that number is crazy to me. I understand that wolves have been bad defensively, and that is like a major concern, but Liverpool have looked really gassed, like out of gas, gassed. In the last four matches now, they have gone behind the Villarreal. They went behind the Spurs. They went behind the Villa. They went behind the Southampton. And in those last three Premier League matches against average to maybe slightly above average defenses with Spurs and Villa, they've only created one big scoring chance. Mo Salah looked gassed against Chelsea. He, he picked up an injury, has not played since. Don't know if they're going to rush him back. Like if you're Jurgen Klopp, how are you rushing back Van Dijk and Salah here when you're fairly confident you're going to beat Wolves and you have the Champions League next Saturday. So really it's, it's a bad spot for Liverpool and they only had a 26.7% pressing success rate against Southampton, which is the lowest they've had in every game except the City matches, one Arsenal game, and the Brighton game. So that's, that's pretty concerning for Liverpool too. And some of it was rotation. Of course, they didn't play their strongest midfield and, and whatnot, but they just have not looked the same. Outside of Luis Diaz, they've looked very leggy, very sluggish. And I, I don't think they're going to be able to get enough margin here to lay two, as I do think Wolves have looked pretty dangerous on the counter. They conceded uh, or they produced two expected goals on the road at Chelsea and had a late tie there. And then they had the goal against city and produced a couple other half chances against city. Now they're getting Liverpool. I think they got a good chance to score. So I'm going to be splitting my bet on the wolves plus two plus I'm going to take the team total over half. All right. uh, So that wraps up the title race portion of the show. Let's now move on to top four, but we'll start to tip our caps to Everton. Boy, what a performance today. What a ride. I'm actually kind of going to miss it. I'm going to miss the relegation battle. Um, what a what a couple months this has been. I, I, I want. I just want to reflect on, on one result that I, I truly thought was it for Everton. And that was that Burnley loss. And just taking how I felt after that loss and then comparing it to how I felt after the final whistle blew today against Crystal Palace. Um, I just won't ever forget that. And, you know, the relegation battles are really where it's at. You guys wasting your time on these top four uh, journeys here. Um Anyways, uh, let's talk about Everton. They're really wasting his time. (laughs) There's seven to one. By the way, I want to say something before you start that. I believe on our preview uh, for the Premier League season, Michael touted Everton 20 to one to get relegated, I believe, uh, on that podcast and asked if there was any shot on that. And I think I said, uh, well, Rafa Benitez has gotten the team relegated before. So you almost hit your bet there, Michael. Almost hit it. 20 to one. Almost hit it. Yeah. That's that's the story of my betting career, by the way. <laughs> uh, good bet, almost hit it. Uh, Arsenal Villarreal, one hundred to one, right next to it. Yeah, yeah but Villarreal is right. Definitely, um, I can I can go down the list here. Uh, Arsenal is minus two sixty, uh, hosting Everton, who are seven to one. The draw is plus four hundred. Um, Arsenal's plus twelve hundred to make the top four. Spurs minus thirty five hundred. Here's the situation: Tottenham sixty eight points, Arsenal sixty six. The they need a win and <laughs> a Spurs loss to Norwich City uh, in the last weekend. It's at Norwich, though, PJ. They're on the road. You got to say it. And I, and I did have a, a, I have a Tottenham fan who, t- who told me he'd rather play Real Madrid uh, Shut than, up. Norwich, than Norwich no, City in this, this match. Shut up. That was funny. Anyways, no. um, so <laughs> let's, uh, let's just talk about Arsenal and Everton. And it's the same situation, right? Everton, during this Crystal Palace match, I was – because they were down two nothing, and I was like, "Oh crap!" Like I need to look up the parlay odds to try to calm my nerves on Everton to stay up, which would have been like a a Brentford win, um, or or 
or I should say the opposite. It was, it was basically the odds on Everton to go down, which were a, a Leeds win, uh, Burnley draw no bet and Arsenal win. And Arsenal at the time were minus 190. So we've seen a 70 cent shift just because Everton won. Uh, and I get it. I get what the, the thinking here is like mission accomplished. Lampard can, if he wants, he can rest everybody. He could give them a well-deserved breather, but I just don't think that's what they're going to do. They're going to want to try to build on what they did last weekend. And it's a free hit. So at seven to one on Everton, when this, this line was 70 cents shorter uh, or 70 cents longer on, on Arsenal at minute 51 of Crystal Palace and Everton, uh, it's just out, outrageous. So I'm going to be on Everton and there's going to be another underdog that we're going to talk about next. And I'm going to be on. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think one of these, one of these teams is going to win. So I think if you just take a one unit bet and you split it f- by four on the big underdogs in these top four and title races, you should come out ahead or, or you hopefully should, but you know, obviously, you know, it's just my game plan. It's, it's gamble responsibly. Yeah, exactly. Please gamble responsibly. Um, all right. Let's start with you, Anthony, uh, Arsenal, Everton. This is just, this tax is outrageous. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, it's funny because it was actually minus 160 before the match. Arsenal was, that was when I did the look ahead uh, and I wrote, was going through the pod notes. I wrote down Arsenal minus 160 and I was like, okay, where does this go if it, they win? And like you, like you said, I checked after the match, minus 260 now. My actual number is minus 190. So I got Arsenal favored by a little more than a goal. Uh, and overall, I'm going to end up passing here. I think Arsenal team total under would be the look for me if I had to bet it. But I'm a little concerned. Number one, if you had to pick a team this entire weekend who is most likely to be on holiday and not care, I think it still is Everton because of what short rest, injured, they're a short bench. So a couple of suspensions in there, all the euphoria and the emotion. Yeah, Deli Ali's going to start. He's not going to. He's going to want to make sure. Right. Get, well, of course, of he's course. going to want to get Tottenham into the. That's top only four. one player though. And he, he, you saw today. You only. That's all they need. All they need is right, Deli to be, on, to be on song. The, the, the by the way the the dichotomy of Aaron Ramsey selling a penalty to cost Rangers the Europa League, Arsenal man versus the Tottenham man, Deli Ali saving Everton. Just another big win for, for North London's finest. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think uh, you know, my skepticism of Niketia as the lead striker for Arsenal was relatively right in the last two games. He's been kind of non-existent. But the problem is that Arsenal struggle when teams contest them in the midfield, don't let them have easy possession. Everton doesn't have a midfield. And so that's kind of a problem playing against Arsenal, who should be able to just waltz right into the penalty area and then... Marinelli, Saka, Smith Rowe, Odegaard, that's where they're at their best, and that's where they're quite good. So I am passing. Uh, but yeah, if I had to bet it, I mean, Arsenal team total under, the two and a half is too juiced for me to play, and so I'm passing. Uh, and just a quick thing, right? Like, So Arsenal's plus 1,200 to be in the top four. Yeah, don't, Norwich parlay. Yeah, don't Arsenal play that. Arsenal line is 17 to 1. If you, if you, but but if, you're gonna, if, you, if, you, if you're an Arsenal fan and you, and you want to bet that, like, I wouldn't do it. I, I would bet the, yeah, just bet, bet Norwich and, and Arsenal in a parlay. You'll get a little bit better number. Um, 17 to one. Yeah. 17 to one. So go that route. Um, BJ. First of all, welcome back. Uh, once Thanks. again, uh, you know, new father, uh, someone who just had a kid for the first time a couple months ago. I know how crazy it's been. And, and what is, what happens now? Like wh- when my daughter was born, that's when Everton just started to truly be in the relegation battle. Like, losing matches left and right so so the new dad bounce is 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 not real it's it's actually the no, opposite. it's not um so perhaps maybe you get a little bit of dad luck here but i just 
I, I'm having a tough, tough time seeing both results go your way. I, I, I can honestly see a, a world where, like, like I said, I'm going to be betting Everton. Like they're going to be playing loose and this Arsenal team, they've shown, I think another thing, which is they've been inconsistent all season where they, they're, they're, they, their highs are super high and then their lows are low. That's the uh, Arsenal fan experience. Right. Michael. And that's just, they're inconsistent and they're, they just don't seem to deal with pressure. Like nobody showed up in the Newcastle match. No. We, the podcast we recorded before for Monday morning, we talked about Newcastle. We said this betting value on Newcastle in that match. And a lot of it is goes down to that. Like this team just is, they're young. I don't know if they, they know how to like kind of manage these situations, which also makes me a little skeptical here. Anyways, what do you got? Yeah. I mean, Arsenal's inflated. I have them at minus 166. Uh, so instead I'm actually going to be taking the under because Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I do think that is a chance where Everton basically just sits in and just plies, tries to play very defensive and hit Arsenal on the counter because, you know, even though Lampard has switched the formation away from Rafa Benitez's, you know, archaic 4-4-2, I mean, Everton matches have been relatively low events. They're only averaging 2.36 total expected goals uh, when he's in charge. I mean, they're only averaging 1.06 expected goals per match under him. I mean, barely created one expected goal today while scoring three. Arsenal, last few matches, I mean, they've had some injuries defensively. And that's what's killed Arsenal, honestly, because Rob Holding is a decent defender when we're, Arsenal is playing lower quality sides. But as soon as he has to be thrown into the Lions' den against really good squads, he is terrible. And he has shown that over his career time and time again. And listen, you know, Gabrielle and, and Ben White, obviously, have picked up knocks. They've been injured. They've, they've played through injuries, especially in the Newcastle match. Tomiyasu going down with an injury did not help things at all uh, at Newcastle as well. So I understand that, you know, Arsenal's injury concerns defensively, but 
again, like Anthony said, I mean, Arsenal is probably going to control a large share of the possession here. I don't really see Everton just coming out and saying, Hey, we're going to play this open style match against Arsenal and potentially get hit, you know, on the count uh, behind, behind us or either on the counter. I mean, Arsenal defensively, I mean, just even despite the injury injuries since Christmas, 1.03 expected goals allowed per match. So they've been good. Like Gabriel and Ben White have been a really good center back pairing. The problem now is, is Nuno Tavares is just not that great of a defender at left back. Cedric is a pretty good uh, defender, but if Tomiyasu is out, then that just leaves Arsenal wide open uh, on the on the flanks, so, which doesn't make things easier at all. So this is also the repeat of the match uh, where Everton won two to one. I believe it was Monday Night Football. They had a ton of goals right. barred off. Uh, I mean. You know, there's only 2.4 expected goals total, but again, you know, the ones that were varred off don't count. So it could have been a lot more. Arsenal's not getting top four and it's, it's very sad. Um, I'm very sad that that's going to happen. I, yes, we're going to be back in, you know, European uh, football, the Europa league. Yay. Uh, I'm not really excited for that. Um, we had top four right in our hands. Like I said, I sent a video to you guys before I left for the hospital and I said, Arsenal controls their own destiny, even before the North London Derby. And they did, they truly did control their own destiny. And they went to Newcastle and they laid one of the biggest eggs they've laid in a really, really long time. And it was very, very sad to watch. So, I mean, they might win this one. Great. But I mean, losing out on top four this year after all the positive momentum they had, I said it to you guys. I said it's the end of the club, and I truly kind of believe that at this point because I'm truly that sad that they're not going to get top four, and there were probably a lot of transfers that they could have gotten if they were going to be playing in the Champions League, and now they're not going to get them, and it's going to set them back quite a bit, especially now that they just signed Arteta to an extension. So things are not good in Arsenal land. Anthony can take his little victory lap or whatever. I'll just look off to the side and then it's act not like over I'm not yet. No, it's not. Hey, look. Let's listen, not I mean, listen, look, I, I, would love a team, I, would, I would love a team of Pookie hat trick. I would love that. I would, the jubilation I would feel with that would be amazing. But the schedule makers just had to favor Tottenham in this final leg, you know, giving them Norwich on the final day. So, uh, you know, you know it, is what it, is. it is what it is. No, it is what it is. I understand. It is what it is. But it's the, you, you know, know, what it is. It, just, it sucks. You know what it, it is. Sucks. It's Roger Goodell, uh, who yeah. is behind all of this. Like, right. Tottenham is the NFL's pet. Um, yep. they, they play all those games yep. at their stadium. So it makes sense that Goodell would get, yep. get involved here. Yep. Uh, let's talk yes. about, let's talk about Goodell Spurs here. Uh, North city, 12 to one at home hosting uh, Goodell Spurs uh, minus four fifty. The draw is plus five fifty. So look, there is a chance that Arsenal stay up. Like, like Anthony said, 17 to one odds. Those are, that's like, that's like that. What eighth favorite in, in the MLB or the NHL, like, so it's not that bad. It's not, you know, when the Braves win this, the uh, world series as a 17 to one, a 17 to one odds, you don't think it doesn't make me crazy. feel any better. It really does <laughs> not make me feel any better. And, 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 but here's the, like, I'm going to be betting Norwich be, once again, part of my, my last week party, my last week strategy. The thing that sucks here is like, I want to say Tottenham just had a lot of trouble with Burnley. They, they got, they were an Ashley Barnes dubious handball away from being nil nil in that game. The problem is Norris just don't play like Burnley, right? They, they play, they play much more open and uh, kind of uh, kamikaze like uh, for, for a team that is bad. So that's bad. But uh, if they do sit back, like who knows? Uh, anyways, like, like I said, as part of my overall strategy with these four games, I will be playing uh, North city at 12 to one. I mean, that, that number, who knows, maybe it goes up with uh, what people are start to bet there wrap in their favorite parlays with uh, all the teams that need to win. So um, I'll go right back to you, BJ. 
I mean, yeah, I no, I do believe Norwich does have value. I mean, Tottenham's obviously very inflated here on the road because of it's not it's not necessarily a must win for them. I mean, they a draw is good enough to get them through to the top four. So, you know, I only have Tottenham at minus uh, 212. And listen, I can't give, I can't, I can try to sit back here and try to give something positive about Norwich, but I can't really do it. I mean, again, like I mentioned with Wolves, they won the expected goals battle for the first time in 22 matches. So, I mean, yeah, that's good, but uh, it's, I mean, it's just a numbers play, honestly. I mean, just Tottenham's overinflated. Yep. They don't need to win. You know, if they get up one nothing, they're probably just going to sit on the ball. Or who knows? Like you said, Norwich might go kamikaze and try and try and score and leave themselves really open for Tottenham hitting on the counter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll probably end up playing Norwich plus two at home. Uh, I mean, obviously they have nothing to lose. They've already been relegated, so there's definitely value on them because of the game theory scenario where Tottenham really doesn't need to win. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be on Norwich plus two, just purely from a projection standpoint. Uh, Anthony, you and Roger Goodell rooting for Tottenham to get the job done against Norwich city. How do you see this from a betting perspective though? Yeah, I took Norwich plus two. Uh, I think that they are not quite good enough to be laying two on the road against anyone in the premier league. Uh, they're actually allowing 1.2 expected goals per match under Conte on the road. Pretty concerning. It's ninth best in the league. Uh, yeah, like BJ said, I don't have anything nice to say about Norwich. Like Josh Sargent is still the second leading scorer for the season. Pretty bad. But yeah, their XG difference overall on the road, plus 0.2 per 90 for Tottenham. So again, they just haven't been that good away from home. And now they're laying two full goals. They don't need to win, like you said. So I took Norwich plus two. It would be very Spursy to lose this match. And then it'd be very arsenal-y to draw. And then there's there's your uh, that would kill me your top your top four <laughs> that that would that would kill me but but no look the, the derby was amazing you know I thought we we were pr- pretty even with Arsenal for the first twenty or so minutes but you could tell right away that that Holding was having some trouble with Sonny and then you know the pen was soft I didn't think it was a pen but you know what is Cedric doing there who knows and then you know Holding gets sent off and that's game set match and thanks for coming out and uh, Monday was just beautiful because Arsenal never looked like. They were winning that match. And so uh, as somebody who has faded Arsenal in that match and, and had Spurs, you know, it's been, it's been a fun couple of weeks. And now we just got to close the door. I have nothing but faith in Tottenham. I rarely say that, but I do have a lot of, <laughs> I, I do go. have a lot of faith Here in Here we Spurs. go, Norwich City. Would you rather play Norwich City or Real Madrid? I, I cannot uh, wait until Tottenham gets put in a really easy Champions League groups and can't get out. Oh yeah, we're getting, I cannot we're getting wait for that. We're going to get Frankfurt in the champion. They're a pot yeah. one team now, so we're going to uh, get Frankfurt, Frankfurt. Celtic. Uh, you're not Liverpool. Liverpool will get those teams. Ajax. Let's, uh, let's, let's shift uh, focus. No let's, let's, we'll shift focus from, from the top of the table now to the bottom. Uh, where Everton are not involved anymore. Uh, Burnley and Leeds still are. Burnley's plus 175 to be relegated. Leeds minus 250. Uh, they're both tied on 35 points, but Leeds, his goal differential is uh, about 20 goals south of Burnley. So Burnley just need to match the result of Leeds or better. Just got to get a positive result. We'll start at Turf Moor. Burnley plus 125, hosting Newcastle plus 220. The draw here plus 255. Once again, an inflated number on a team. It's in a must-win spot, but the number on Newcastle I don't think is high enough uh, to get involved. I think uh, this one I will likely be passing on. I do think th- this is not straightforward. For, I mean, nothing straightforward for Burnley. They're not that good. Uh, they have trouble scoring. So in all likelihood, I'll be passing, but but I will be tempted by by Newcastle. It's just a tough spot coming off the high of that, that Monday night football win in their last home game against Arsenal. 
Anthony, anything for you here, Burnley and Newcastle? Burnley got a point today. They were not good. Outplayed for large, large stretches of the match. Didn't concede any big scoring chances. Burnley really would feel good with a point. And so I think they're just going to park the bus here at home. And, and Newcastle have struggled to create big scoring chances. They've struggled to create chances as a whole with Eddie Howe. And, and they've improved their defense first. And Guimaraes is, is great, uh, but they're still only getting you know, a little over one expected goal per match under Eddie Howe. Uh, they should be better with Callum Wilson. Uh, and they were definitely better against Arsenal. But uh, I'm passing here. I think Burnley's a little overinflated, but not to the point where I'd play them or play against them, rather. And BJ, what about you? Yeah, well, what's funny is I saw it on the broadcast. Callum Wilson is still the leading goal scorer for Newcastle. He hadn't played since December 4th. So that just tells you how Newcastle has been offensively at trying to create chances. I mean, Anthony mentioned it. They're going to be really an interesting team going forward as far as this match is concerned. I was kind of surprised. I have Burnley at plus 120 to win this match. Um, I was a little surprised by that projection. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm going to play Burnley. They do have some injury concerns. You know, Beedra's out. Uh, Eric Peters is out. Jay Rodriguez, questionable. Ben Mee's obviously been out for a long time. Lotan's Goodmanson, out too. Goodmanson's out. Like, it's it's uh, it's troublesome for Burnley. And like you mentioned, they only need a point, really. I mean, Leeds... We'll talk about it in a second, but I don't see Leeds going to Brentford and winning. So it's going to be Mike Jackson and Ben Mee, uh, master, defensive masterclass, park the bus. And, you know, if you want to bet 0-0 draw, I, I don't hate right. that. Yeah. I was just about I to really say that. I really don't. I think that that if, if any match has, uh, like, snooze fest written all over it, it's this one. Uh, because, you know, Newcastle, obviously it means nothing to them. They've, they've got their, their big win over Arsenal on Monday. So, and Burnley coming on short rests, zero, zero draw, you know, or maybe even a one, one draw, I think uh, definitely potentially has some value rather than just taking the flat draw. Cause I don't see this being high scoring whatsoever because I don't think either team's going to take many chances. So yeah, I mean, maybe play some long shot props on this. Other than that, this is, this is a hard pass for me. It could be a good live game too. I mean, they will yep. know on yeah, exactly. the sideline what the Burnley score, what's going on in the Leeds yeah. match. And so if Leeds go ahead, that changes the calculus, right? right? And so if Leeds go behind, that also makes the draw more likely. And so uh, I don't do a ton. Of, I, you know, this happens so rarely where we get to do this fun. It's once a year. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's once a year. 13 to one for zero, zero draw. That's pretty good. And, and, and that's the point I was making off the top, Anthony, is that it's like week um, 17 in the NFL or, or week, you know, the, the last day of a regular season and other sports where, this is a complete outlier week. There's just so many things that you can just throw out the window. And there's a lot of things that there's just so much kind of chicanery going on with the bookmaking um, that it can set up really well. If, if you are savvy better, like if you are paying attention to both the Leeds and Burnley match and Leeds score in like the 63rd minute and Burnley still nil nil, you, you should bet the over in the Burnley match because they're going to yeah. open things up. Like they have to, there's, there, there's no tomorrow if they don't. Right. So it doesn't mean that Burnley's going to be the next team to score. It just means that they're going to have to play with more risk and, and leave themselves open. Uh, let's talk about that Leeds match, though. They're tied with Burnley, but the goal differential, they won't be able to catch them. So they're going to need to go for the win uh, against Brentford, which is not a good situation. Like it, there's, of course, there are better teams than Brentford and there are t- other teams that I would say this about, but they're one of the teams that I would not want to be in this situation against because you're be- being in a situation where you're going to have to be the team pressing for the goal. It just kind of plays into the hands of the bees. Uh, and they're at home where they've been terrific all season. 
Brentford's plus 140, Leeds plus 185. The draw here is plus 265. It's a tax on Leeds here. Um, this is going to like the Everton and Palace match. I think this game has Seesaw written all over it. Like Brentford, they, they're a team that, that can um, you know, put the ball on the floor and, and create scoring chances. They're, they're very good on set pieces. And Leeds, like I said, they're going to need to have to take risks and go forward. So this could be where you said Burnley, Newcastle, 0-0. You know, it could be a snooze fest. I think this is going to be the exact opposite. Um, so an over looks appealing to me. Anthony, what do you have for Leeds and Brentford? Not a ton. You know, I really wanted to bet the over here, but it, it's clearly juiced up with a motivational situation. Could be a good live over game. Uh, Leeds definitely opened up the throttle last match. I thought it was, uh, they got the deserved point in the end. They really should have scored more than one, probably should have conceded more than one too. If you look at the quality of the chances, passes per defensive action was 6.76 for Leeds in the match. For the season, they're a little over eight. They had been lower or higher rather under Marsh, a little bit less manic than they were under Bielsa. But last match was clearly a different story given that they needed the points and they were chasing the game and were clearly more aggressive. Uh, Bees are only 18th in pressure success rate, which was I was surprised when I pulled that up. I thought it was going to be better. Uh, they are allowing a lot of ball recoveries. If you press them, you can have some success. And so I think Leeds will create some high turnovers and be effective. And well, the only game where Brighton had a lower passing success rate was the city Southampton and Arsenal matches for them. So they have, they really struggled with Leeds. And I think it was really just an all-effort kind of game. And now Brentford's going to get the same thing. So I think it all points towards goals. I don't show value on leads here, which is always good because I've lost some money betting them recently. But I'm going to be passing here. Maybe look for a live over. I was hoping to bet the over. But again, like I said, you know, you're looking at three, basically 2.75 with over juiced. I was hoping to get like a flat 2.75 or even a, you know like a juiced 2.5, but it's really not going to be there. So uh, pass here, but do think that this game sets up for goals and Brentford will have no problem going back and forth. Brentford also a big set piece edge, which I'm sure BJ will mention. Uh, BJ, what do you have here for B's and leads? Yeah, I like Brentford. I understand the motivation factor, but I mean, over the past month, basically over the past couple months, I mean, Brentford has shown that even though their matches mean nothing, that they truly do care and they're going to give a full effort no matter if it means nothing to them and it means everything to Leeds. I mean, they have 22 points in their last 10 matches and a plus 7.7 expected goal differential. Only Tottenham, Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea have been better in terms of expected goal differential during that time span. To Anthony's point about uh, Brentford's pressure, they throughout most of the season, we've talked about how they've kind of struggled to play through pressure. Well, during that run of the last 10 matches, their offensive pass per defensive action is at 12.5. Before that, it was around 9.3. So what's been the change in that? Well, I think it's been Christian Eriksen. He's been so good at helping them play through pressure, connecting the midfield to the attack, getting the ball up to Mbwemo and Tony. And listen, in this type of match where Leeds is going to come out full on pressing them at a high rate, it's going to be incredibly open and Brentford's going to have so many chances in behind to take to basically take Leeds out. So given the fact that Leeds can't just sit back, I mean, I mean Leeds has not been good. I mean, they, they, were, they were okay against Brighton. I mean, the expected goals, Brighton still won at 2.2 to two. Um, but I mean, over the same time span, I mean, Leeds is around a minus four expected goal differential. I mean, they haven't been that great. And the last time these two teams met, I mean, Leeds scored in the 95th minute for a 2-2 draw. If, you know, if they don't score that goal, then they're two points behind Burnley. And this is a whole different scenario. But in that match, I mean, Leeds did control 63% possession. They outshot Brentford. But 
if you look at that Brentford lineup, it was nowhere near as close to good as it is now. Tony was out. David Raya was injured and Erickson obviously wasn't in the squad. So I have Brentford at minus 116. And I do believe that given the form that they've been in and the positive momentum they had, I do think they're really going to want to finish the season strong. And also the set piece edge that Anthony mentioned leads has conceded the most goals out of set pieces, 18 so far this season, Brentford, one of the most efficient teams off of set pieces. And like we mentioned all the time, Brentford is awesome at the Brentford community stadium while Leeds is very poor on the road. So I love Brentford draw no bet at minus 140. Uh, I do think they're going to take this match very seriously. And I think there's just tremendous value on them, even though they don't have to win it. I cannot wait for the Leeds late winner to stay up and Jesse Marsh <laughs> oh. is going crazy on the touchline. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, that would be, that would be what I'm rooting for. No offense to BJ's bet, of course, but I will be as an American rooting for the American to stay in the league so they can buy Brendan Aronson and then run it back next year. Uh, all right, let's uh, wrap up the relegation talk and move on to the top six. Crystal Palace, uh, they're playing against Manchester United. They're hosting United. Palace plus 215, United plus 130. The draw here is plus 250. Uh, Manchester United, 58 points. West Ham, 56 points. United minus 500 to get top six. West Ham, three to one. I really like Palace. Again, no surprise here. This is this is a great number on, on a team that's just been superb at home. And they've just been... Like, let's be honest, they've been the sixth to seventh best team this this season. Like Crystal Palace's underlying metrics will show you that they are one of, uh, you know, the best. I, I, if we're going to be fair, let's say eighth. They're one of the best eight teams in the Premier League, and they're in the same tier as, as Manchester United. In fact, if you look at the expected goal differential uh, on the season, Palace plus 5.3. United minus 0.4. So they're almost six goals better or six expected goals better on the season than, than United. Uh, and they're the underdog at home. So for me, Patrick Vieira's Eagles, we thank them for, for blowing it against Everton in the second half. But at, in the front of their home fans in the last week of a season where they've been one of the, the pleasant surprises of the Premier League, uh, they're going to go for it. Uh, and, and it's a, a game against Manchester United. So of course, again, go for it. Plus 215 on Palace, I think, uh, is is an easy, easy value bet. BJ, what do you have? Who in their right mind is going to bet United in this match? Honestly, like they I understand win. the motive. got to win for the Europa I understand. Yeah, I understand. Win. Well, here's the thing. Has United shown any inclination that they even care about the difference between the Europa League and the Europa Conference League? Because I don't. No. I mean, the match against Brighton was very clear that they don't care about what the difference is between those two. So they're probably just banking on Brighton, at least drawing against West Ham, and they'll go to the Europa League with Arsenal, and we'll end up fading them a ton of times while Ten Hag tries to figure out his system. But, I mean, how how on earth are they road favorites here? I mean, Mike already mentioned it. I mean, plus 5.3 expected goal defensive for Crystal Palace, minus 0.4 for United. And like we've talked about so many times, Crystal Palace – Going to Selhurst Park and playing them if if you're one of the big boys is like a death sentence. I mean, they have a plus 1.8 expected goal differential versus the top seven at home. And I mean, listen, United's been extremely poor on the road as well. Minus minus 7.9 expected goal differential. And do you really think they're going to care about this match? Because I don't. They've been off for a long time now because of the FA Cup final. They did the makeup match with Chelsea. it, It will be two weeks. Yeah, they did the makeup match against Chelsea, I think, you know, two and a half weeks ago on that Thursday. So they haven't played for a while. I'm guessing they're not taking training that seriously right now for this final match. So, yeah, I agree. Crystal Palace, draw no bet at plus 120. 
at home, uh, obviously short rest and, you know, United having the rest factor, you know, you could pencil that in, but that still doesn't make up for the fact that Crystal Palace has just flat out been better than Manchester United this season. I have Crystal Palace at plus 124 as a home favorite. So, uh, yes, love Patrick Vieira Eagles at home. And, yeah, I I cannot see anybody or imagine how anybody could bet Manchester United in this match. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, it's no surprise. I mean, we, we've we've been on this Palace team so much this season, and it is appropriate that we'll be on them uh, in the last weekend of the Premier League season. Anthony, are you joining us at Selhurst Park, backing our Eagles? Yeah, if you remember, right after the Brighton game, I said, like, you know, they're going to go to Palace, and I can't wait to see what the line's going to be. I thought it would be Linus to pick them, and I'd still bet Palace. Uh, they're a favorite, so I'm still betting Palace. Uh, and I make Palace a favorite here as well. I made Brighton a favorite two weeks ago. I've got Brighton slightly better than Palace. I've got both of them right around Man United. And I think, I mean, I'm even higher on them than I think BJ has been all year. I think BJ's faded them every week for the last two months to good, good accord. I mean, they've been genuinely awful. Uh, and I think two weeks off can be an advantage, but like BJ said, it can also be a disadvantage. They have nothing to play for. And so what have they been training for, for the last two weeks? Whereas Palace, yes, you, you do, you get a little concerned about the rest edge, having to play Thursday and then turning around, but at home final day, it's been a great season for palace. You expect them to try to end on a high note. I like palace. One thing I want to mention before we get out of here, think about this, everybody for a second, Manchester United coming into the season was coming off a second place finish. They signed Rafael Verane, Cristiano Ronaldo and Jaden Sancho. And now we're potentially talking about them playing in the Europa conference league. Like that's how much of uh, much they've fallen off. They, they were not so, the second best team last year, but yes. No, they I mean, they definitely weren't, but still coming off a second place finish. Now they're in a situation where, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember at the beginning of the year, I thought the top four race was pretty comfortably decided. So that, that aged really well. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and, I, and of I, course, like Spurs getting a lot better. Okay. Yes. But like, other than yeah, that, you, were, you, you love this United team. You, you backed them to win the champions league. Yeah. You thought they were I, top I, my, my belief that a good manager would come in in December and turn it around did not age too well. They're going to be, they're going to be so interesting under Ten Hag because he has a very specific system that he likes to play. And this given the current Manchester United squad, it is not set up. To no, they couldn't even get Gravenberg. I mean, Gravenberg's going yeah. to, uh, going to get Frankie. They might not get Frankie either. Yeah, so, I know. I mean, uh, Gravenberg is, yeah, he's, he's going to Byron who, if people don't know, Ten Hag was an assistant at Bayern forever. And that's, and then he went to Ajax. So uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be very similar to we'll, last season. Under we'll, we'll, we'll save the, the tra- we'll save the transfer talk for the next episode. We do with our friend Fabrizio Romano. What's yeah, can you guys ask him that for me? What's again, can, can we call him a good friend of the pod now? Of course. Um, yeah. Well, he's, he's our friend. Um, not if you want to listen to that episode, pod. Um, like, like I said, a couple episodes back, uh, we talked a lot of transfer stuff with Fabrizio, um, our buddy. Uh, let's talk about the other team in the top six race. That's West Ham. They're on the road, driving to Brighton. Uh, the Seagulls plus 140, West Ham plus 200. The draw here, plus 245. West Ham needs to win. I think that plays into Brighton's hands a little bit. Uh, they will gladly just pick them to pieces on the counter at the end. But an impressive performance from, from West Ham against Man City, you have to say. Um, but like we've been talking about, it's probably a little bit of an inflated number uh, on a team that's that's form has just been all over the place all season. Uh, and, and Brighton have seemed to right the ship uh, since, you know, around St. Patrick's Day or so. Um, I'm closer on Brighton. I'll probably play Brighton. What about you, BJ? Yeah, I actually do like Brighton in this match. Toronto bet at minus 120. I mean, West Ham had sixth place 
right in their hands and they just let it slip away. Uh, and that actually ended up being kind of a lucky 2-2 draw given how much United dominated the second half. I mean, in terms of matchups, this is about as bad as it gets for West Ham playing a team outside of the top six. I mean, West Ham defensively, they do not provide similar to Aston Villa. They don't provide any resistance. They're 18th in passes per defensive action. We've talked about many times, Brighton's ability to control possession and play through pressure is so unbelievably good. Now, you know, stylistically, Brighton does play a very, not really, you know, exact, you know, style, but similar to that of Pep Guardiola at Manchester City in terms of slow possession-based style. I mean, they're second to last in direct speed behind only, uh, Manchester City, and they're also top four in terms of average possession. So I expect the Seagulls to control a large share of the possession in this match, pin West Ham in deep, forcing them to play two low blocks, similar to what happened in the first meeting between these two, because if you remember, West Ham scored in the fifth minute and basically just tried to sit back and see the game out defensively, and Brighton ended up kind of dominating the match. You know, they, they did end up holding, holding over 65% possession, completed over 250 more passes than West Ham, 45 touches in the penalty area, compared to only 21 for the Hammers. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Additionally, West Ham creates offensively. A lot of them, where their chances are created are coming off crosses. They're number one in the Premier League in crosses completed in the penalty area and also top five in big scoring chances. Well, Brighton's top five defensively in both those categories. So this is not a great situation for them. I understand Brighton has nothing to play for, but they, you know, their performances over the past month, even though they've had nothing to play for, have shown they still do care. Um, so, yeah, I do like Brighton, John O'Bad at minus 120. I have them projected at plus 129, so showing a little bit of value on the Seagulls. And, unfortunately, I think West Ham's going to be playing in the Europa Conference League next season. Anthony, um... Are you going to make a three for three here on Brighton? Yeah, I lean that way. Uh, I have a Brighton top half ticket that I'm sweating out that I'm probably going to make keep me off this. But in terms of adding more exposure, the goals uh, have been just less efficient. That's only the really, really the only reason for the difference in the table positioning. When you look at XG difference, they're pretty much the same team. Uh, the Hammers are a little inflated because of their chance at Europa League. I wouldn't lay anything here with Brighton as a favorite, but draw no bet minus 120, not too expensive. Probably ends in a draw, but... Uh, I do lean toward Brighton. Uh, all right. Uh, so eight Premier League matches have high stakes to them. And then there are a couple that have absolutely nothing, no jeopardy to them at all. Uh, so let's talk about these ones real quick. Chelsea minus 575 at home against Watford, 16 to one. Of course, Watford uh, was relegated a couple weeks ago. Um, the draw here, seven to one. I mean, it's Watford or nothing. Uh, pretty simple. There's Chelsea just coming off a one, one draw, disappointing one, one draw against Leicester. Uh, over the midweek. So it's, it, I mean, it seems like they're both these teams are kind of playing out the string uh, after Chelsea lost in the FA cup final. They've, they've got a lot of stuff to sort out in the off season. So it looks like they're just heading that way, which makes it a little like there is a path to success here for Watford, but um, is it enough to bet them? I don't know. Uh, so Watford or nothing for me, BJ. Yeah. Hard pass. I mean, the fact that it means nothing to either team. I have this projected pretty close on to, the actual, the actual line. So just a hard pass for me. I mean, Chelsea's been a little bit, 
I mean, we've beginning of the season, we were complaining so much about how lucky they were and how much negative aggression they were due for. And then over the past, you know, 10 matches or so they have around like a plus 10 expected goal differential and just haven't gotten the results they deserve. And over that time span, I think they're 10. Funny how that works. Yeah. It's funny. It's <laughs> like 10th in terms of uh, points uh, and as the fourth best expected goal differential. So uh, it's all the narratives. It's because of the, yeah. the, the sanctions and the transfers. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. It's, it's all that. Yeah. So no hard pass for me. We'll, we'll enjoy seeing Watford in the championship, probably end up placing a future on them to win it uh, again and come back up. But uh, yeah. It's hard past me. And also we should say a so long and happy retirement to Roy Hodgson. Yeah. Maybe he might another, be back. another friend of the podcast, Anthony yeah. uh, Watford and Chelsea. Yeah. I got nothing here. Uh, I think All Chelsea right. only gave up two shots today. They gave up a goal on one of them. Otherwise they dominated the match. Point eight expected goals from last year yeah. today. Pool of six should have, uh, should have scored. Didn't. So they didn't get a result. They got a draw. Should have won. Kind of been the second half of the season for them. And, they're not that much worse. They're just not finishing at the level they were, and the variance has swung against them now. And uh, I have no interest in fading Chelsea, so I'm going to pass. All right, uh, let's quickly go through Leicester, Southampton. The Foxes are odds on minus one fifteen. Saints plus two seventy five. The draw plus three ten. Absolutely nothing for me here. There's so many other games that everyone's going to be watching. You you have to be a, a se- severe Leicester City or Southampton fan to be interested uh, in this one. So uh, easy pass for me here. Uh, BJ, anything Foxes, Saints? No, hard pass. I, I mean, if anything, I was I, I looking at the, the over. Under. I was okay. thinking look at the over maybe. But I was looking it, at the under. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, so maybe no. we should just not bet it. We'll cancel, yeah. we'll cancel each other out. We're I mean, not going to bet it. Let's no. bet exactly I mean, like I said, Leicester, Leicester were really, really bad uh, against Chelsea today. They were horrible. Uh, and they got very lucky. And I like the shot production of this team is scary bad. The only thing that scares me is, of course, James Ward-Prowse against Leicester's set-piece defense. They might just like bang in three set-piece corners, headers, free kicks. All the all the goals off of set-pieces could possibly happen. I only have 2.88, and I think it's a little inflated on the total. But uh, like, if neither team cares, this could get crazy back and forth, or it just could be a dead mid-table prem game between two teams that have nothing to play for. So I'm going to ultimately pass, but I would, I would lean toward the under. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on to... The rest of Europe, uh, Syria, are coming to a close this weekend. Anthony, what is your favorite bet in Italy? We'll be saying some prayers that Inter can pull off a miracle and win the title for my future. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I'll be taking Lazio under against Verona. Projected 2.5 goals. Actual total is set at three. Neither team has a ton on the line here. Lazio has clinched Europa League. Verona in the mid-table. This is two of the biggest overperformers all season. We talk about Syria unders. We've joked about it on the pod, and we've bet a lot of them lost some and they've started to come back a little bit, but two of the biggest culprits of that have been Lazio and Verona. Verona has really struggled in attack when playing the better defensive teams in Italy. We saw that last week when they failed to score against Torino, they struggled against Roma uh, and they've struggled against Inter as well. Lazio's overperformed by 20 goals in attack and both defenses have run about 10 goals worse than they should have. It's been a combination of really efficient shooting, some bad goalkeeping, but overall, Verona seventh in goals, despite being 11th and expected goals for, and Lazio is second in goals, which is insane to think about, despite being outside the top six in expected goals for. So really just shouldn't continue to score at the rate they have been. Uh, all right. And BJ, what is your favorite bet in Italy? You know, I like Udinese plus half a goal, plus 120. I don't think people really have noticed the great escape that Salernitana has done 
So on April 10th, they were sitting in dead last with 16 points in, through 30 matches. And they were nine points from safety at that point. Since then, they picked up 15 points in seven matches and now are two points safe from the relegation zone. So this line is a pure motivation line against Udinese. And listen, I know this match means nothing to them, but if you're giving me minus 140, essentially a 58% implied percentage that a team with a minus 28 expected goal differential is going to beat a team with an even expected goal differential. That is crazy. I mean, these two very recently just met. Uh, Salonitana did nothing for the entire match and scored on a breakaway in the 93rd minute to win, which that one shot accounted for half of their expected goals. So this line is a little insane to me. So I have to do it. I have to take Udinese plus half a goal, plus 120, just be purely because of how overinflated uh, a relegation team Salernitana, who should have been relegated, is in this match. Uh, all right, let's hop over to Spain and La Liga. BJ, right back to you. Yeah, Elche, Getafe, both teams to score. No at minus 120, maybe the most boring match of any on the slate on Sunday. Elche is safe from relegation despite having the worst expected goal differential in Spain for the second straight season. That's because they're horrific offensively, only averaging 0.85 non-penalty expected goals per match. They're averaging the fewest shots per 90 minutes. In fact, they've only created over one expected goal once in their last nine matches. They're facing Getafe, who is the most defensive team in all of Europe. They're only averaging 0.66 non-penalty expected goals per match, but they're only allowing 0.9 per match. In fact, in their last four matches, there's only been a total of two goals scored off of around 3.6 expected. In fact, they did just hold Barcelona to 0.2 expected goals off of five shots while Barcelona attempted 900 passes. So I have this a snooze fest written all over for this one. Uh, both teams scored no line projected at minus 235. So minus 120, I think has tremendous value. Uh, Anthony, your favorite bet in La Liga? I am going against Mallorca. I'm taking Osasuna plus a quarter goal at minus 110. It's all about Mallorca on the island versus not. At home this season, they're about average, plus 0.2 per 90. Expect a goal difference, but away from home, they're the 18th best team in the league. They have been really poor. They've only won two matches on the road all year. 0.75 expected goals created in those 18 matches away from home. Osasuna, about an average team in La Liga, so they should not be a home underdog to Mallorca. The motivation relegation line yet again, but this one I really like Osasuna to get a result here. Mallorca may be safe with a point, so we'll see. But again, cannot bet them as a favorite. Okay, uh, League 1, BJ. Yeah, I'm going to go with Nantes. Uh, draw no bet at minus 115 against Saint-Antienne. Uh, another motivation type line here because Saint-Antienne really needs to win to get into the relegation playoff and avoid getting relegated along with Bordeaux. I mean, Nantes has been okay as of late. They've gotten some great results despite some losing on the expected goals. But, I mean, Saint-Antienne, even though they've needed to win for a long time now, have still been really bad. They've lost four straight matches. They've conceded around nine expected goals. Uh, another one of these motivation lines I have not projected to add minus 116. So I'm showing tremendous value on them. And unfortunately, I think two of the biggest clubs in France, uh, Bordeaux and Saint-Antienne, might be going into to the second division, which is sad. But uh, yeah, and just another motivation line, like we'll see throughout most of the leagues that uh, we can grab some value on for a team that has nothing to play for. Uh, all right, Anthony, before we get to our underdogs and best bets, what's your favorite bet in league? Ooh. May need to start betting some League 2 next year uh, <laughs> to get some Senetien action down. Very disappointing that they may be going down. Uh, I'm fading a few of the uh, the European place teams here. 
my best bet fading Ren. I'm taking Leal at home plus a half a goal. Ren have scored 80 goals from about 60 expected. They've been very good in attack. I mean, they have the uh, number one in shots per 90 and they are number one in big scoring chances created. So, you know, credit to them for that. But Lille have also been one of the best defenses, not just in France, but one of the more underrated defenses in all of Europe. Somebody that BJ has talked about quite a bit this season. It's been a disappointing season, but a lot of it's just variance driven. I mean, they're plus 11 expected goal difference and even an actual goal difference. So I'm going to be fading Ren, who are overvalued. Lille should not be plus a half at home against anybody. Remember, it wasn't that long ago. I bet Lille plus a half at home against Paris Saint-Germain. So think about that. Now they're you know plus a half at home against Ren, who's clearly not on the level of PSG. So give me Lille plus a half. Okay. Uh, let's go to our favorite underdogs. We've come close a lot of different times this season, but we haven't hit one yet. We haven't hit a three-leg underdog parlay. And this one, it's the last one of the season, so it's going to be a doozy. And I'm going to kick it off. Wolverhampton, 19 to 1. <sighs> Look, it comes down to this. Liverpool. You're just thinking us before we have a Michael hates Liverpool. That's what it comes Liverpool down to. Liverpool. And, and, and no chance <laughs> to win now. Michael really <laughs> doesn't want Liverpool to win. You know the reasons, right? The, the, the fatigue, the injuries, the, the fact that this number is inflated like because of motivation. The manager's overrated. The home home field advantage overrated. Wolves won't have a problem going to uh, Anfield where everyone just holds their phone in front of their face the whole time to, to, to take pictures of the game, right? That's not a home field advantage. Get out of here. But in all seriousness, the, the number's just way too high here. This is, a, this, is a, this is what Norwich City gets lined at when they travel to, you know, the Etihad or, or Anfield. And Wolves are a much, much better team uh, than that. So give me Wolverhampton, 19 to 1. Get this parlay. This, this number is going to be way high because of it. Anthony, your favorite underdog. Leo plus 320. Just talked about it. Ren needed to win just like Nice needed to win last week. Nice lost on the road or at home to Lille. I think Lille's underrated. Good on the counter, especially like that in this situation. Give me Lille plus 320. BJ? Crystal Palace plus 215. Uh, crazy line. I've already mentioned it, but no reason Manchester United should be a slight road favorite at Selhurst Park where Crystal Palace has played tremendously this season, especially against the top seven teams, plus 1.8 expected goal differential against them. United really doesn't have anything to play for here. I did really don't think they care about the difference between the Europa League or Europa Conference League. There might have a minus 7.9 expected goal differential on the road. All signs point to the Eagles getting all three points here. Give me Crystal Palace. If you parlay all three of those teams together, Lille, Crystal Palace, Wolverhampton, 255 to one. I feel pretty good about it. Uh, let's talk about our favorite bets we in lost. the Premier League. We'll talk about our favorite bets in the Premier League before we get out of here now. Um, BJ, let's start with you. Brentford, draw no bet at home at minus 140 against Leeds. This is a motivation line. Leeds needs to win this match to stave off relegation. Brentford technically really has nothing to play for, but you wouldn't know it by the performances they've been putting in over the last few months. Last 10 matches, they picked up 22 points and have a plus 7.7 expected goal differential. And over that time, they've really improved playing through pressure. Their offensive pass per defensive action is sitting at 12.5 when before the last 10 matches, they were around 9.3. So the addition of Christian Erickson has really helped them connect from the midfield to the attack. Leeds really hasn't been that great over the last few months. That's really what put them in this relegation fight. Brentford plays so much better at home than they do on the road. Leeds has conceded the most goals off of set pieces. Brentford is one of the most efficient teams off of set pieces in the Premier League. So many advantages for the Bees, so I love them. Draw no bet at minus 140. 
I'm going to back Crystal Palace as my favorite bet in the Premier League this weekend. They're plus 215 at home against Manchester United. This is pretty simple. Crystal Palace and Manchester United. You can make an argument that Palace is better than Manchester United. They're playing at home. Manchester United, like BJ just said, don't really have all that much to play for. Palace, meanwhile, they'll want to cap this special season off with a victory at Selhurst Park, where they've been spectacular. You look at the expected goals numbers, they all point to Palace. They shouldn't be an underdog at home against Manchester United, no matter the situation. Um, so Palace plus 215 is my favorite bet. Anthony, bring us home. I'm taking a splitting of my unit on Wolves plus two and Wolves team total over half at plus 125. I know I just laughed at Michael for taking Wolves in the Moneyline Parlay segment, but I think Liverpool is clearly running out of gas here. If you look at their last four performances, they conceded two to Villarreal. They conceded one to Spurs one to Villa, one to Southampton. They conceded first in every match. They have struggled to fight their way back into these matches, and they've only created one big scoring chance in their last three matches. We have seen that Salah has not looked himself. Van Dijk missed the last match, and they've got a look-ahead spot with the Champions League looming next week. Margin doesn't really matter. It's just about getting the win. Goal difference is not going to decide this title race. And so as much as I've been anti-Wolves on this podcast, the number is just a little inflated. And I think they're undervalued to score, get some good chance on the counter, and to keep this match somewhat competitive, even if I don't think they win. All right, uh, that does it for the penultimate episode of Wonder Goal for this soccer season. For BJ Cunningham, Anthony DeBundo, enjoy Championship Sunday. We'll see you for a preview next week for the Champions League, and then we'll have some stuff over the offseason. Maybe our friend Fabrizio will stop by again. But until then, hopefully there's some chaos uh, this weekend. 